So this Advent, we've been talking about the coming of Jesus from the perspective of the front door of your life. You could, uh, you, you could term this uh, welcome mat theology, I guess. The underlying question, though, is, is this. If, you're, if your life is like a house, there's a way in, and you choose, you choose what it is to be let in to your life. Now, I would assume that most of us at some point opened that front door responding to the of Jesus. I mentioned last week that this is one of the most evocative pictures we have of, of Jesus. Jesus standing at the door. There's a, a famous painting, which I think we have. Yes, there it is. Have you ever seen this? It's a painting by a man named Warner Solomon. If if Jesus looks familiar in that painting, it's because he's the same artist who painted the most famous depiction of Jesus, uh, of which there was over 500 million copies made. And this, uh, this is Solomon's second famous, most famous painting and he is knocking on a door, uh, a door that has no doorknob, if you notice, on the outside, kind of an overgrown area. The door doesn't look like it's been opened very much. And what we are supposed to think when we see this painting, what's supposed to come to mind, is that scripture from Revelation chapter three. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. So here's a picture of your, your life, picture of my life. It's a house with the front door. We talked two weeks ago about welcoming God's messengers, God's children and the least of these. Last week we talked about welcoming hope as as it dawns upon us, even when the night is at its darkest, are we willing to open the door to hope? So today's subject keys into one of the strongest themes we actually have in the Advent Christmas story. We've sung about it this morning. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Joy to the world. But as is characteristic of God's relationship with you and me, God will never crash the gates. God will never force this on us. God wants to be invited in. So we have teaching in the New Testament like Philippians 4.4 that we've heard a number of times this morning already. Rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice. So here is the Apostle Paul affirming this need for invitation. He's saying joy and rejoicing There's a choice, something to notice here in this passage in Philippians 4 is that rejoice, the word rejoice in the original language is kairiti, it has a range of meaning that includes what we think of when we hear the English word rejoice or joy. It's an emotion that happens, as the kids told us this morning, related to happiness and gladness, something that bubbles up or wells up within you, this is joy. So on one level, yes, 
opening the door to joy in your life, be joyful, rejoice. This is what he's talking about. Joy is, on one level, a personal choice, but there's more to this word kairiti than this, because the meaning also includes what was associated with what we would call public celebrations. You see, in cities like Philippi and Ephesus and Corinth, they would organize great festivals as part of their civic life and, and festivals with games with the purpose of highlighting their favorite deities. Their favorite gods would be celebrated in these festivals. And they were described, these festivals, these civic festivals were described with this same root word from which we get the word kairiti. And Paul uses that here, is rejoice. So when he says rejoice, what would come to mind for the original readers would be one of these festivals, a celebration. Now, at the risk of sounding like a grammar nerd here, <laughs> another thing to note is that the verb here is present tense, second person, plural imperative. Now, um, these are the kinds of things that, you know, you, you might not notice. You don't see these things in English, but not only is this a personal choice, but Here's the deal. It's a corporate choice. It's a second person verb. He's talking to everyone. He's saying, celebrate everyone. This is a choice, it's present tense, so it's supposed to be continually happening in the present. That's how Greek present tense works. He's saying, continually celebrate everyone. So one way of seeing this teaching from Paul is that he's encouraging the church in Philippi to Celebrate. The church is a place to celebrate. Did you know the mission statement that has guided this congregation for most of the last 25 years has this as the first three words? We celebrate God. That's our, the beginning of our mission statement. To me, this suggests that we as followers of Jesus are called to be exuberant in our faith. After all, isn't this the message of the angels who appeared to the shepherds? Luke 2.10, they declared, don't be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy. Yeah, when Jesus comes to the earth, there's joy. When Jesus comes to the shepherds, there's joy. When Jesus comes into your life, there's joy. Jesus said that when one sinner repents, there is joy among the angels in heaven. Luke 15.10. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Now, here's something I'm really excited about right now. Mountain View's new worship director has this kind of thing as his strong suit. Perhaps you've noticed. <laughs> and the fun thing about Rick is that this is just a natural expression of who he is. I hope you get to know this guy. Some of you need to invite him out for lunch. Not today, he's going to my house today for lunch. But, but really, you, get, you need to get to know Rick because this is just who he is to the very core. I'm so excited about our church getting better at celebration because we're being true to our mission statement and 
we're following this imperative from the Apostle Paul who's saying, hey, church, all of you, rejoice. But now, notice the next verse. Let your gentleness be known to all. It's as if Paul is guiding the Philippian church to be aware of themselves as they are celebrating. This guidance toward gentleness is well-placed here. Here's what I see. Paul is saying, yes, celebrate, but also be aware of your public image. Enthusiasm for God can get out of control, believe it or not, effectively running roughshod over those who are more quiet and sensitive by nature. Here at Mountain View, it is my hope that we can welcome joy and celebration, but to also remember those for whom extroverted exuberance is not a native language. One of the ways we do this is by affirming that that we are not all put together the same, folks. So when the place is rocking, if the person next to you doesn't seem into it, that's okay. And when we are being quiet and reverent, let's be patient with those who may not be into that. Paul is giving the full picture here. Rejoice, but also be gentle. Okay, one more thing. This section of Paul's letter lists three results or benefits that accrue to those who open the door to joy. I asked Dan to read these extra verses because I was, as I was studying this passage this week, I just got really intrigued with this. There are three things that are really, you can see as benefits to rejoicing in the Lord. One first is that he mentions that prayer mentions prayer that overcomes anxiety. And then verse eight outlines a way of thinking that celebrates the goodness of God. And then verse nine asks for a lifestyle that embodies the good news of Jesus Christ. According to biblical scholar N.T. Wright, these are direct results of opening the door to celebration and joy in your life. I find this very encouraging. The picture I get here is that when we celebrate and when we rejoice in the Lord, it's like putting gas in the tank to, to see these kinds of things happening in your life. So for that first benefit, here's a question. Are you feeling anxious about something in your life right now? Are you? You know, coming to worship and opening the door to joy can help. I'll never forget uh, one of our early mission trips to Senegal. After an exhausting week of ministry out in the village, we came back into the city of Chess for one last Sunday morning worship service. Our, uh, our guide and friend, someone that, many of you know now because he's been here recently, Adam Asen. He came into town with us and he was absolutely exhausted and he came into, the t- into town to find out, to hear the news that he and his young family were being evicted from their home immediately. And he was just, it was just too much for him. 
So we, we came to the church on Sunday morning and he was scheduled, I was preaching, but he was scheduled to be leading in worship and he came to me before worship and he said, Pastor John, please pray for me. I don't think I can do this this morning. I am just, I'm so tired, I'm so worried, and I'm supposed to lead worship. And then as the morning, and I, I prayed for him, and then as the morning went on, I remember him up there with his arms out like this, leading, leading worship in that, you know, inimitable West African way that they worship, which is so wonderful and celebrative. And, and I just watched this man being transformed right before my eyes. The anxiety and the worry just simply left him. And I talked to him after that, afterwards and I said, what happened? And he said, I just was worshiping God and it all just lifted. It was amazing. It was just amazing what can happen when you open yourself to celebration and rejoicing in the Lord in worship. May the same happen for you and me as we do that. Okay, so that's the first effect. The second effect, thought patterns that, that celebrate God's goodness. Are you concerned about the overabundance of negativity in this world? <laughs> I mean, have you... It's, it's hard not to see it because it is just everywhere, especially in the news. The overabundance of just people feeling down about it. And maybe you, this is in your life as well. Here's an invitation. Come and celebrate. Rejoice in the Lord. It will help you with the perspective on all of life. Worshiping God joy, joyfully is such an amazing gift in that it helps you and me see the world as it truly is. To be able to notice the true, the noble, the reputable, the authentic, compelling, gracious, to notice what is best instead of what is worst. To notice what is beautiful instead of what is ugly. The praiseworthy rather than the curseworthy. Celebration and joy in worship is like a key that unlocks the door to welcoming all of these good things into your life. It just happens, and this can be the result of celebrating in God's presence. So that was verse eight of our passage, and then verse nine, that final effect. Paul says, keep on doing the things you have learned from me. Now we might just kind of pass over that verse and think, oh, okay, he's wanting, he's wanting us to kind of model what, what he has done. But this is actually a very, very tall order. Who would ever be strong enough to use the Apostle Paul as their model of how to live? <laughs> Who would be strong enough to do that? But that's the point here. There is a strength that comes to those who celebrate God. There's an ancient refrain that first appears in Exodus 15:2, the song of Miriam after God's victory at the Red Sea, when she said the horse and rider has been thrown into the sea. And she also says something else that is then repeated in Psalm 118, and it's repeated again in Isaiah 12. This is a major theme in scripture, and it is simply this. The Lord is my strength and my song. 
He has become my salvation. These words suggest that there is an organic connection between celebration and strength. Listen, if there's any area in your life where you experience weakness, do not, never underestimate the power of rejoicing in the Lord. It can be like a stop at the filling station for resolve, strength, confidence, to become the person that the Holy Spirit is forming you to be. And it's not, it's not the only way this happens, but it is significant, and it can happen as you celebrate and as you worship God. Think about it. Have you ever walked out of worship on a Sunday morning and just felt like you were empowered to face things anew? Have you ever felt stronger, more resolute? See, it happens. My guess is that it had something to do with rejoicing in the Lord. So rejoice, celebrate God, welcome joy into your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, join me in prayer. God, I thank you for the the gift of joy. Thank you for the times that it just kind of bubbles up within us. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to not try to throttle it, but to welcome it. God, as we now, in this next few moments, offer our offerings to you, Lord, we also welcome you as the bringer of joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. We thank you for all your good gifts, Lord, and I thank you especially for those who lead us in worship on Sunday mornings, for young people who are gifted to to lead us, for all the gifts that you give. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.